My name is Matt Brown. Do you think you're playing football? And let's start the show. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, October 28th, 2021, and we have great information coming at you and great content to consume. We're going to talk about the NFL. We're going to hang out with some of our great buddies. It's going to be a great time. But before we get into that fun, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So, NFL kicking and rolling. Teams are striving and diving into oblivion. And, you know, we have the best of the best to break it all down for you. Two great friends of the show, Alex Ranelio and Alex Young, are on the show this week to break down everything that the NFL has to offer at this moment. Tom Brady not slowing down at 44 years old. He just had his 600th touchdown and is on his possibly on the verge of winning eight Super Bowls already. We'll see what that goes. New York teams are just giving us headaches even with the great Giants win last week. Do we have enough to be confident that they can be competent for the rest of the season, and the Jets are just being the Jets. They're one of the worst football teams I've ever seen. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow being the great combo that they are. The Raiders are still holding it down. The Chiefs are collapsing. So much fun in store for this NFL show. So lots to do, lots to discuss. So let's get into it right away. Alex Ronelio and Alex Young, a tale of two Alexes. It's your guys' turn once again. Let's talk football. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. It's literally the midseason, and as we are about to enter the second half of the NFL season already, which is intense and insane, we have we have two of the best in all of productive conversation sports breaks downs with you, and we're gonna talk all things NFL right now. So first, our good friend Alex Ranelio. What's up, buddy? What's going on, man? How are you? It's great to see you. Love the vest, uh, the vest shirt combo right here for anyone listening. Oh, it's yeah. a beautiful yellow bus shirt and a Raiders sweater. <laughs> it's great. And then we have another guy, Alex. Our great friend Alex Young is on. Alex Young, what's up? What's up, Matt? What's up, other Alex? Uh, it's kind of funny. We have the U Heart connection going on today, so it's going to be exciting to have this U Heart uh, football, you know, NFL connection here. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Indeed, oh, yeah. and there's a lot of headlines to address 
lots of predictions to make and lots of football to talk about. So where do we start? Why don't we hit home? We'll start with our fandoms first. First. So with that, and then it comes to New York sports. Sorry, New York football. Now, if you asked me two weeks ago, I would be panicking. I'd be angry. I'd be cynical. But when it comes to the New York football giants, the team me and Alex love, they did win a game against the Carolina Panthers this past week. And with the collapse of the Chiefs this year, which we'll get into a little later, this Monday's football game looks more appealing. But leading up to that, the Giants have had lots of injuries, lots of headaches, Joe Judgeisms. But there's this, I think Alex Young and Ronelio can agree that um, the Giants are st- oddly still, we don't know what they are. There's still a lot to figure out with them. So we'll start with the fan here, Alex Young. Now, we. What are you thinking about with this team? You know, Daniel Jones looking much improved than last time, making one hand catches now and, you know, able to facilitate with all his weapons coming out. The rise of Kadarius Tony um, Gettleman, hoping that things work out. So he has a job next year and there may be some off season move or in season moves coming that might switch things up. But Alex Young, what are you thinking about our Giants up until this point as we hit finish the first half. Now they are two and five. Uh, it was it's obviously disappointing to be two and five at this point, especially with two games that we could have easily won. Um, but, you know, against Atlanta, you know, we had the lead blew that. And then obviously the, the meltdown against the Washington football team. If we didn't go off sides, we win that game, you know, all that. Um, I was there Sunday um, at MetLife. Uh, my dad has season tickets. You know, Matt, uh, my family's had season tickets since the Polo Grounds. So we yeah. have been diehard Giants fans ever since. Um, so, you know, obviously it's great to be there, um, but it's sad going there. I was there at opening week. Stadium was packed. I go there mm-hmm. on Sunday. Not a lot of people there, obviously, because we're disappointed and, and also. But watching the game in the, in the arena, there was promise, and I know it was the Panthers, and they don't have Christian McCaffrey, and you have Sam Darnold who struggled with it, struggled without him or doesn't look like the quarterback he was the first three weeks of the season. Um, but it looked like the defense finally came alive, and that's something that we've missed for the first few weeks of the season. You know, the, the defense was supposed to be our anchor, and then the start of the season, our defense is our problem. We can't get off the field. Oh. Um, and on Sunday, that was a whole different thing. We were just – all over Darnold, um, caused the collapse in the pocket and everything. So there's promise there. But overall, you know, like you said, there's still there's still stuff that we don't know. Um, Daniels looked great at times. If that, and then, and I know you talk about the one-handed catch. That was nerve-wracking me to the <laughs> That ball floated for a half second longer. Daniel Jones is probably out for the season because that safety or whoever was coming, he was he was about mm. to destroy him. Um, so we got lucky with that, but. There's been promise, and like you said, we didn't have Tony, but Tony's had flashes of brilliance. And obviously, yeah. the Cowboys game we showed we should have had him on the field earlier on this year because he's a game changer, right? So, what happens when he's back on the field? Like, how dynamic can he be with Daniel? With and then you know, it, it feels like we always get our offense back, and then five minutes in, someone gets hurt, you know, and yeah. it's unfortunate. So, it, you know, like you said it makes Monday a lot more appealing because, like you said, the Chiefs aren't looking great. Their defense is looking all over the place. And coming off this game where the defense looked good, the confidence is going into Monday night. So 
we don't know. We could walk away out of the Chiefs game three and five. I think we could win. Is you know, I think it's a game we can win. Um, I don't think you know a lot of people are. It's the Chiefs. It's Mahomes. We're gonna lose. I think there's a chance defense comes to play on, on Monday night. I think we have a chance to walk away with that. So you know, overall, it's been disappointing. But you, like you said earlier, we still don't really know what this team is yet. So it's gonna be interesting mm-hmm. to see the next few weeks what what this Giants team is. Remember, they're playing a quarterback in Mahomes who has the most interceptions in the league. Everything that can go wrong seems to go wrong for the Chiefs. And we're playing with house money. The Chiefs have everything to lose if they lose to this generation's Giants. And oh my goodness, talk about momentum shifts. How are you feeling about, you know, how are you feeling about uh, the upgraded line, even with Nick Gates' absence? It seems they're protecting Daniel much better. And maybe things are coming around with them too. You think um, you liking what you're seeing out of this line? I am. There are some times where you, you see plays Boston. It tends to be when Nate Solder is on the field. Then yeah, I know we right. pay him a ton of money, but it's like that's why he's on the field when he shouldn't be on. But he shouldn't be on the field because mm-hmm. defenses target him. But we see when Daniel has time, he can make plays. He can make the throws. He's not running for his life, you know, and we see that this year. The, the mistakes are down. I know you can – the outlier of that Rams game, that defense is unbelievable, as we all know. Um, but when he has time in the pocket, he's making these big plays. He's getting the ball out where he needs to. It's on time. They're accurate. It's all what we want. And, you know, we're sometimes taking shots down field. A lot of people forget Daniel has one of the best deep ball arms or he's one of the best deep ball accurate quarterbacks in the league. You know, last year he he had, you know, a really good percentage of throwing the ball 20 yards down the field. So when we take those chances, it seems that they work out, right? So, you know, I know there's times where we're like, what the hell is the offensive line doing? But then there's games like the Panthers where Daniel's not getting hit as much against a strong defense and he's making all the necessary plays. I know the stats, if you look at it, he, he didn't blow anyone out of the water, but he did everything that like necessary to win the game. And that's all we want, right? We want this mm-hmm. offensive line to give Daniel and the rest of this offense a chance to make plays to keep us in the game. Um, and, you know, so far, it's okay. Do I want the offensive line to be better? Has it been, should have been upgraded since Gettleman's tenure? Absolutely. We should have better names than Nick Gate, you know, before Nick Gate got hurt. And, you know, the Shane Lemuse and the Hernandezes. And mm-hmm. also, when you have Andrew Thomas, who unfortunately got hurt. And, and he was finally was, coming around, too. Coming around, too. And he's looked great. If you only have him as, like, your 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 stalwart, like, he's the future, right? Like, all of us this year were like, wow, he has really stepped up. He's our future. That's a problem. You don't need, you know, it takes a whole offensive line, not one left tackle to make everything work. So, you know, has it been better than I thought it would be? Yes. But, due to, you know, uh, upgrades need to be needed. Yes, for sure, as well. You know, there definitely needs to be stronger people on this offensive line um, going forward because we see when Daniel has a pocket, uh, he can make the plays and yeah. be a franchise quarterback that we have expected him to be. Um, and just one real quick uh, thing is, is that, I'm finally happy Giants fans are trying to turn around with Daniel Jones. I know our patients were running a little thin, you know, last Indeed. towards the end of last season. <laughs> but him coming in, we needed to see improvement, right? We needed him to show that he could be our guy. And when when we have that offensive line clicking, he shows that he's our guy. He can be the guy that we have going forward. We don't need to take one of our two first-round picks this year and pick a quarterback. I think Daniel could stay in. So, um, I'm happy that Giants fans are finally realizing that it wasn't a Jones problem. It was Gettleman's failure of giving him an offensive line to work with. Um, so 
I just wanted to make that quick point real quick for uh, the Giants fans out there that still are hating on uh, Daniel Jones. Absolutely. And like you said, this team should be four and three if things, you know, finally went in our favor. Now I'm looking at the NFC standings. There's only six teams who are above 500 out of 15. Now, say in a perfect world, we pull off this humongous upset and the Vegas people aren't believing in it. There are 10 point underdogs. But again, team has been improving on the offensive side and in a defense where we really need to step up. You know, we lost to Bill Preppers and, you know, Brad Barry, though, on top with that, those injuries, we like Aziz is looking good. You have. James Bradbury, who was looking like a bus in the beginning of the year after going to the Pro Bowl, he got his pick last week. Like you said, anything could happen while the Chiefs are collapsing. And there's just stuff to look forward to. And if things pan out a certain way, who knows if uh, the wild card will be qualifying for a wild card spot um, coming to next month. And transitioning to that, we talked about one AFC West team that the Giants are playing. Talking about another one for our Raiders expert, Alex <laughs> Ranelio. Your Las Vegas Raiders have been in the news quite a bit, but after the uh, after Gruden quits, and could you just remind the interim coach at the moment? Um, Rich Passaccia. Rich Passaccia is undefeated so far at two and zero, oh, and yeah. now they're looking like probably at this moment. The best team in the AFC West, yes, sir. you know, compare that and that you don't really have the Chargers to worry about. How are you feeling about your revamped Raiders now that um, they're not getting as much media scrutiny at the moment? And um, now they could just focus on football. And by the way, our teams will be playing each other the next Sunday, too. So, sir, no hard feelings if we stop you guys in, uh, in Jersey. <laughs> um no, I mean, this team looks, this team looks motivated. You know, it's like, it, it looks like a, a burden of weight has been lifted from the team and their expectations under Gruden. Um, uh, the front four has been outstanding. Um, you know, since, since the week that um, Gruden was let go, you know, Max Crosby's on fire, has been on fire. He had uh, two tackles and a sack the, um, this past Sunday, and he had three total sacks against Denver on um, the week before. And Perriman and Abram have been, you know, basically just, just tearing up that secondary. I mean, when they, when they load up in the box against the run, they've been all over tackles. Um, and Abrams played a lot more uh, conservative this year. I felt like he was gambling on a lot of the secondary plays where they were getting beat on defense last year. So that shows a lot of growth. And um, again, you know, I've been cautiously optimistic with this team because every year we know that they have a hot start. They go six and two, six and three. They know it's died after week nine. Um, it's really, you know, driven me near a dead pulse in years past, but um, this team looks different. They look really hungry and really motivated and Carr looks free and he's starting to look more like an MVP, like um, cal- caliber kind of candidate when he was um, on that path in 2016. So, and the one thing I've noticed too, since two weeks back when they played Denver after um, letting go of Gruden, um, Greg Olson, the old offensive coordinator, is really like dialing up a lot of stuff. You're seeing a lot of mixed packages, a lot of um, uh, empty backfields with a, you know with a five receiver set or a four receiver set, and then you're seeing a lot of split backs out wide. Um, he's really like spreading the ball around, and I felt like that's kept a lot of defenses on on their heels because I can't tell you how many 
how many nights and, and days I've been watching them be just so predictable on offense, the first two downs and putting car and then unpredictable, like third and long. So it's been encouraging to see the turnaround in two weeks. Um, not getting my hopes up completely yet thus far, but I like a lot of what I've seen. And I've been pleasantly surprised with um, the defensive side of the ball, which I did not see coming this year. Cool. Now, another question I have for you, Renelio, Alex Renelio. Um, so when it comes to the at your division and you're seeing the humongous favorite or the AFC favorite in the Chiefs playing awful, awful football, does this just bring you a lot of joy? Does it, you know, make you smile? I just want to I was just curious about that. Seeing the Chiefs, your hated rival, turn into a close a parody of themselves, maybe even a joke. Yep. Um, yeah, just a little bit. I mean, again, like I've always been one who's been on, you know, centralized on the focus of like, you know, winning the division, making the playoffs. So I can't take too much gratitude in it. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely is nice to see. I'm enjoying it. But um, the work's not done. And, and this team looks really, really motivated right now. Um, I will say that Chargers do scare me moving forward. But ultimately, I feel like Herbert's um, um, his youth will catch up to him and maybe some of the bigger games at the bright spots towards the end of the season. And um, we've been able to prove to the world that we've been able to beat the Chiefs three years past in a row. Um, so it's nothing for us that we can't do um, going down the stretch of the season if Kansas City, you know, irons out their issues. So I feel very optimistic about that, but I'm just taking one week at a time. Hear that. And you'll definitely need our help this upcoming Monday night. And well, uh, being free from Gruden has led to a lot of good things for the Raiders. Yep. Now, Gruden this past week was asked, was recorded for an interview on Real Sports, right? Obviously, the big thing, he loses his job because of his comments he made um, to executives in the Washington football team, a team he also used to work for. Yep. And there's over 650,000 emails apparently reviewed by a board saying there's, quote, nothing in there. Yet, when asked about uh, when asked to comment on the situation, John Gruden said, quote, the truth shall be revealed. Literally, there's a soundboy you could look up of him saying. Now, what's going on? If anyone doesn't know, the Washington football team is executives, especially owner Dan Snyder is being investigated for allegations of having a toxic workplace environment, which includes allegations of sexual misconduct, uh, treating people poorly. Just an awful situation while they are not winning games, even though they ironically won the division last year. Now, I'm just curious of your guys take because this story keeps growing. The I believe the Players Association asked for the release of all 650,000 emails. I know the owner of the Ravers, Mark Davis, it was literally just reported as we're recording that he's asking for it. A lot of uh, not good PR is coming out of Washington. Now, I'm just curious for you guys. I'll throw it to the floor over wants to start. What do you think of this whole situation? Do you think that Roger Goodell will do an Adam Silver and remove a toxic owner like Adam Silver did to Donald Sterling for the Clippers at the beginning of last decade or middle part of last decade? Do we feel this is going to be a huge change for the league in general, uh, kicking out? What do you guys think of this uncomfortable story, but it has to be addressed because it keeps growing? Dan, do you think that the uh, ultimately, do you feel that the email should be released? I say might as well. 
and, you know, make things clear once and for all. And we know the NFL has been iffy on big scandals across the league in the past and trying to hide things under the rug. This would be a great chance to write that wrong. You want to go first? Yeah, I can, <laughs> I, I can start. Um, uh, I, I think, I don't know if it's going to be the Donald Sterling thing because people don't remember when that happened, he got caught on mm-hmm. audio saying some very awful things um, about his players. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if that's the case with Snyder, I know we haven't heard or seen these emails, um, anything, if there's really anything that egregious, then yeah, I think the NFL needs to take a stand against that. Um, it seems like the football team is in a lot of scandals as of late. Um, and I know they tried to do certain things of, you know, firing some of the people um, or a majority of the people who are involved with that, or they're no longer with the team. Yep. Um, so if, if that's the case, then yeah, but I think with, with this whole thing, um, there has to be some sort of league wide mandate going forward about the work environment. Um, because time and time again, we hear from different organizations across different sports of this, hostile work environment and it really um it needs to stop uh it needs to end because it's taking away from the league um as a whole so i think that's what we might see going forward um i don't know you know there's a bunch of emails so again i don't know if they're going to go to the extreme of removing um snyder as as owner of, of the football team again if there's something that comes out that is absolutely horrific then i think they need to take some sort of action but um at least for, for right now, um, I think you can look at fines. You can look at, you know, maybe draft, you know, uh, draft pick that have a forfeit draft picks, certain things going forward so that you could, and it's, it stinks for the football team, but mm-hmm. the league might have to make them an example, right? That they, that, that we don't tolerate this. We're not going to stand for this um, going forward. And, you know, this this is you know you guys were the ones that got caught you know if you look at it you know baseball with the Astros and they got cheated they lost draft picks and I know they're in the World Series now so whatever <laughs> but they kind of became the example of if you cheat this is the standard of what's going to happen to you you're going to get fined people are going to get suspended for a year whatever the case might be so I can see the NFL being like you guys are the scapegoat you guys are getting investigated we found all this stuff and because of that X, Y, Z is going to happen to you. And then the league, you know, all the teams can look around and say like, okay, maybe we should look at how our workplace environment is. And maybe we need to reflect on who we are and try to change it for a positive. Because like I said, we see this across all the time of these hostile work environments. And I don't know, we're in 2021 and I don't know why we still are seeing this. Um, When you go to work, you're supposed to have fun. Um, You're supposed to enjoy what you're doing. And if not, and you're getting picked on or harassed or some of these awful things that you hear. It's just like, how, how can no one take a stand? You know? So I think it's now it's time for the NFL to be like, you know what, this is it. This is done going forward. This is what's going to happen. And if we hear this, you're going to, you know, face the consequences. So like I said, we'll see. I don't think we're going to get all these emails out. It's a lot of emails, <laughs> but like I said, uh, if, if there is something where you see a bunch of awful stuff said by Dan Snyder, I can see the NFL potentially going down the route that that of the whole Donald Sterling situation, but I think it's still a little early on. I think what the league needs to do, like I said, is look at this hard and say, how can we abolish this in our league? 
and set a standard and a precedent to avoid uh, hostile work environments and, you know, harassment and things like that going forward. Yeah, dude, I think you hit every single point that needs to be addressed, especially when it comes to make an example. Yeah, we kind of live in a world like that, but in a world where it seems there's all these scandals with these teams in the entertainment industry, in business, we got to, how much longer is it going to take for these organizations to be called out on their bullshit, quite frankly? And I'm at the point where, as we start our start really advancing in our careers and our generation and the younger ones, it's time for us all to not follow the past generations, do their mistakes, and then we can prove that, you know, there is something worthwhile in growing their careers. Anything you want to add on with this story, Alex, Renelio? Yeah. So I echo everything, Matt. I mean, that Alex said, but furthermore, too, it's 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 just not it's just a lack of self-awareness. I mean, when Gruden got caught it kind of set the precedent. I think a lot of the public basically said, okay, this is the new precedent set. There's going to be more to come. And this is clearly, is just one of those dominoes to fall um, or is continually, continually going to fall. Um, mm-hmm. I think that um, when you're, when you're a multi-billion dollar product, um, this is kind of the circumstance you're in. I don't see people knocking down the doors of small businesses the same way. So I understand that this is the territory that comes with cleaning up the league and public perception and image that comes with the league. Um, the NFL put that, you know, at the utmost importance in years past, and they've done a lot in the past years to do that um, since 2010. We'll, we'll see. I mean, he's got a very dirty past, uh, Dan Snyder and, um, I know that a lot of um, devout fans, I have family in Washington um, in the Virginia area that um, have been fans for a long time and they've been calling for his job for years, um, yeah. you know, and so I feel like that's the general sentiment um, for at least a majority of the fan base. Um, and we'll see what comes out again. This is an ongoing investigation. Um, this is definitely not the last domino to fall, I feel. And um, when you have a circumstance where a lot of these owners are protected, um, you know, up on their pedestal and they have a network of communications across all 32 owners, um, there's guaranteed to be more to come out um, across the league, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, to be fair, probably all 32 teams have something th- similar to this. And there's people with the, you know, that, what do they have, the teardrop in anime <laughs> and your nervous feeling. I think all 32 owners yeah. can probably do that and and one more thing too you know it's unfortunate because they've taken a lot of as soon as you think that they're kind of back on the right path um you know um in terms of winning football and morality wise like signing ron rivera was a great acquisition Mm -hmm. bringing back fitzpatrick um in the interim and then giving heineke all the reps and and uh, opportunities he's deserved um dating back to the playoff run last year, you know, it seems like they do a lot of the right things. Um, And then you have an owner who just has zero self-awareness and no moral compass doing things to really set them back 10 yards when they gain one. And it's really just unfortunate. Yeah. This will probably be, probably be an example of karma really coming back. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. And we're just going to see how the rest of the rest of this story unfolds and talk about getting the chance to really revamp. I know they're going to have a name for this team. Probably going to change the color scheme or whatever. And, uh, you know, tough lesson learned, but we need to learn them. 
Now on to other things. I'm just curious, just quick story. What do you guys think of uh, the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa? If I messed that up, let me know. But um, when it comes to Tua, do you think that his leash has been let? Um, do you think the Dolphins are kind of giving up on him too easily? You know, the rumors of Deshaun Watson getting traded to them, you know, maybe look in the future because there are going to be some more veteran QBs coming into the offseason. Uh, do you think that the Dolphins just are cutting the leash too short on Tua right now at one and six at the moment? Uh, I, I don't I don't think they are. I mean, I'm. I do in a, in a way because I think looking at it, I think this team was built more to have a veteran quarterback lead them. Yeah. Um, which is why you always hear Deshaun Watson. I know he's going through all the crazy legality and, and all yeah. that stuff happening right now. So who knows what happens there? But um, I think too has shown that he can be a decent quarterback. I think stat line in the last two weeks hasn't been horrendous. Yeah, he has improved. I'm, I'm, yeah. What I should say, what I should have said, do you think the Dolphins will cut the leash on to a, but um, you were saying? Yeah, I, I think, I think they will. If, if something happens with dramatic happens with Watson and they're able to get him um, and allow him to be on the field, I think that's when the Dolphins will move on. But it, it's, it's weird because I think he, he can be good. And I think this team is just not living up to the expectations. Their defense isn't there. And I know that, you know, they played great last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and I think also the thing with Tua too, and I think this is why the Dolphins will be are, 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 are thinking of moving on from is because of the injuries. Yeah. That he just can't stay on the field. It's happened since his time at Alabama. And then they thought maybe it would change the NFL and it hasn't changed the NFL. So it's like they can get a guy, like I said, like a Watson, who's just been proven to be able to stay on the field and you have to give up to a, and a draft picks and whatever to do that. Then I think they'll do that because they know that going forward, they have this, the, you know, arguably a top 15 quarterback in the league. Um, and they can just move on from Tua and do that. But yeah. I think that's really what the Dolphins are thinking is that it's like whenever he seems to be making progress and we, we potentially have chances to do well, especially this year, he's gotten hurt. And then they don't have Fitzpatrick there anymore to try to be a game manager to try to win games, and then it just becomes a mess, and then they and that's why they're one and six. And, and I know in these last few games you lose the Jags on a late field goal last week, um, but he's looked good. He's looked good at times. I thought he looked really good watching the game in London um, coming back from a rib injury. But I think that's the key thing for the Dolphins and why they're thinking of moving on is because they never know if he's going to stay healthy. And if you don't have a guy who can stay healthy, who's supposed to be a franchise quarterback, you're not going to succeed in the league, uh, which is why I think they're always in the talks for Watson, because they know if they bring him on that this team is going to be completely different and they have a chance to be a contender in the AFC East. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. As long as, Watson gets his name cleared. That would be a big game changer for Miami in their future. Alex Ranelio, do you also feel the Dolphins are um, may or may not be doing the right thing if they cut the court? Well, I don't think it's a matter of right or wrong because it's, you know, it's a production league. It's a, it's a um, performance based league. It's all in merit. So I think that they've actually, I think Brian Flores and that um, organization has actually already made their minds up. I think that they're kind of like what Alex said. I think they're trying to actually wait for the right moment when his 
stock value is highest. Yeah. That way they can get more for him from Houston. Um, I know Houston's been asking Hall for Deshaun Watson. Um, so that's going to be like an interesting interplay before November 12th. Um, that means that if I have the math right, they only have um, two more weeks of football until then um, to get to a, to look better on the open market. Yes. But week nine is Miami's, the uh, deadline. <laughs> yeah. So I think, right. So I think that, um, I think that they've already made their mind up. I just think that they're trying to really buff up um, spruce up his market value right now. Um, it, it, it's too bad because the circumstances that they drafted him and he was already damaged goods coming into the league and he was already undersized. So when you don't have your health or your, 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 your size, um, your mechanics are, I mean, you don't really have much of a chance, you know, it's, it's one of those things like if Baker or Russell Wilson came into the league or Drew Brees came into the league already injury prone and already had an injury um, that was career threatening. I think a lot of people would second guess drafting him and they would be sure to move off him sooner than later too. Yeah. So we like our buddy, Mike Francesa, but when he anointed that two is going straight to the hall of fame, you knew that this was not going to work out, but, Again, another thing what time will tell, and this is uh, probably his mo- two most important weeks of football for Mr. I'll try again, Tunga <laughs> Avaya Loa. There you go. Tunga Avaya Loa. Very nice. Okay. And <laughs> they play, they go up against, they go, they go up against, they don't have a bye. They go up against the Bills, who, and then, oh, so, boy. you know, that's a loss. And then, um, <laughs> According to this, they're actually going to play the Texans, so that will be an epic battle. <laughs> but maybe you won't have to leave the uh, the, the you don't know, have to take the flight back. Maybe you can stay in Houston <laughs> after that game. Well, I don't know if they're playing in Miami or not. If they're playing in Houston, that'd be hilarious. They make the trades like, yeah, you know, you, you you're here now, you're good. I don't know if they're playing in Houston. If they are, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was like in the trade deadline this year. Who was the team? There was a player who just switched dugouts. They do something like that, and to. Yes, that game will actually be just one moment. That game is going to be in Miami, so okay. you could just ride back with them. Yeah, that's true, yeah. And just when you come to one-win teams, the New York Jets, this might be the worst one-win team at this moment I've ever seen. It is crazy how awful they are to watch, the Jets. Robert Sala doesn't look like, looks like, though he's a rookie quarter, sorry, though he's a rookie Robert Sala is a rookie coach, and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. None of his personnel. Zach Wilson, you know, looks like my brother Tommy's worst days. And Tommy's, you know, played at Wagner College, and at least Tommy looks more confident when he's playing in his development games. It's just, I mean, no, I should say he looks more. What did he see? The Jets are making me not think straight. So. This dude doesn't look confident when he's played. He has a lot of right things to say, but with the exception of Makai Becton, everything is awful about the Jets. Guys, is this just going to just never work for the Jets? Uh, you Literally, you could argue that they can restart again. And uh, it was, I'm baffled. What do you guys think of the awful Jets? Uh, I'll start again with this one. Um, <laughs> it's kind of sad for Jets fans because they – had all the confidence, and I feel mm-hmm. like this is like the Sam Darnold all over again, where they had the confidence. Oh, we have arguably guy, worse we have too. Guy. And <laughs> it's definitely worse. It's just that this team. It, it looks like, the, and I know a lot of people are saying this. It's like 
when everyone's talking about the Titans later on in the season, everyone's gonna be like, <laughs> "How the hell did they lose to this Jets team?" And it's looking like less than a, less of an impressive win right. week after week. Like that's sad <laughs> when you beat a quality team and it looks like awful a few weeks in like oh like it doesn't even matter that you beat the titans but everyone's gonna question why the titans lost to you right so <laughs> it's it's a disaster it, it really is um and i understand robert salas is a rookie coach the offensive coordinator is a rookie offensive coordinator same thing they just don't know like they don't know what look like they know what their next steps are they yeah. just look very deer in headlights that they're way over mm-hmm. their heads and 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 i think uh, as much as I love Robert Sala and a lot of people love Robert Sala, it's just that it looks like he, like I said before, he looks like he's in over his head. He doesn't really know what he's doing on silence. When we're the Giants on the Giants side, it looks like with Joe Judge, it's like the first few weeks, and I know we didn't have a great first year with him, but it looks like he, we knew like what the continuation, what right. the like maturation process he wanted, right? Like what we Big were difference. seeing week after, week after week from him. It looked like he wanted something different. And it still looks like as a second year coach, he's still like, Week after week, and I know we have our Joe Judgeisms, but it's just that <laughs> he, results he, he, are the okay. most overrated thing. Yeah, it's, there's <laughs> that. But it's like there's something that you want to. See. He always seems to have something on task, and <laughs> and, and and Robert Solid to me, especially you're coming off a buy and you get absolutely destroyed by a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones again in the Patriots. <laughs> It just doesn't look good. And, yeah, and it doesn't like you can't just say like, "Oh, we're gonna watch the tape." How are you <laughs> yeah. gonna watch the tape on a thirty-seven point loss against a rookie quarterback? There's not like there's there's nothing to see there, and I think that's why a lot of Jets fans are frustrated because it's just that it's like, what are we doing? Like, there's no growth. Yeah. We're not seeing yeah. any growth or progress. And I know Zach Wilson's hurt now, but even beforehand, there's certain things you see from Zach Wilson, and and I've watched some of his games, and I'm like, what are you? What what are these throws? Like there'd be an easy five yard out <laughs> screen pass. He's throwing them yeah. at these people's feet. There's certain passes he's made where he's throwing it in traffic. Yeah, um, you know, and I understand it. Be what he has a cannon of arm. He's made play, but like at the NFL, he looks a little shell shocked. I understand he's a rookie quarterback, and sometimes you're gonna get that. But there's some things in my head that I'm like, what what is going on here? Like there's something that I feel like is not clicking um, because he's, you know, side arming these five yard throws or whatever. He's not confident zipping it in. So like you said, it's been an absolute disaster for the jets. Do I think they're the worst team in football? Possibly. I think the tech and Texans are, are up there as being pretty bad, but it just looks like everyone's lost on the sideline and that's not <laughs> what you want to see. Uh, and, and I think after this week, everyone kind of realized like, we're in a lot of trouble going forward if this is what it's going to be. And I think they can, I think Robert Sala can grow as a coach, but right now you could definitely see that he's lost because coming off a of bye, you get shredded against the Patriots who look like they're just playing Madden and calling screen passes every play. <laughs> yeah. Stop them. All uh, Madden yeah. versus rookie. Pretty much. So, <laughs> you know, it definitely has been a disaster and, I, I don't know. These next few weeks are big, and I don't think the Jets are going to clean house first year, you know, coaches all around. But there has to definitely be growth going forward. Otherwise, Jets fans are going to be uh, even more disappointed, even more mad than they are right now. So we'll see. Yeah, you get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Renelio, you also in disgust as well. I'm not in disgust because it's all about expectations. Like I expected them coming into the season to have three, four wins max. So, you know, it's one of those things when you know you're going to be a dumpster fire team and an underperforming organization, um, 
you, you can only look for progress, like play to play and how well, you know, how hard players are t- playing for their coach and their organization. I mean, that's the thing that you guys mentioned earlier with Joe Judge. It's like, at least there was a glimmer of hope by the end of the season because they were playing for this guy. But yeah. how do you give up 54 points to a rookie quarterback when they're, you know, bereft of skill positions still, even after an off season? And Robert Sala is the defensive head um, uh, coordinator. <laughs> going to the Super Bowl. It's just like, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's like you're not even winning at your own game. So for me, like, it, it is a little bit of, um, it definitely has like a little bit of hopelessness to it, um, especially with Zach Wilson going down and being out two to four weeks. Um, the best you can hope for if you're a Jets fan moving forward to the end of the season is just seeing progress, seeing continuity on the offensive line, seeing guys playing hard on defense, you know, things of that, that nature. And that's really all you can hope for. Yeah, you know, if I was a Jets fan, I would total. I've never given up on any of my teams, and never will. But that, when it, nothing's worse than boring football and awful football, and that's what they do every boring week. Boring football, you can get away with if you're winning. <laughs> yeah, that's football, true. you cannot. Because yeah. Belichick's won 20 years boring football. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> Excellent point. Excellent point there. The Jets are playing the Bengals this week. Do we feel that right now that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are the next great quarterback and wide receiver combo? Renelli, we'll start with you on that one. How impressive is that? Have they been (laughs) specifically? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. They've kind of caught Cleveland and Pittsburgh with their pants down on this one in terms of timing. Um, I think they're just ascending. I think it's just the beginning for the two of them. Um, I think moving forward, like I said, I think it's just – it may be a two – I mean, depending on the Baker contract situation going into the offseason – um, it may be a two-headed race in this division with Baltimore and um, Cincinnati. But, you know, again, I'm not setting the bar too high. It is the Bungles. Um, they'll find <laughs> a way, I feel like, ultimately. But as long as they can keep Burrow upright and healthy, um, uh, they they got a shot. I think, you know, addressing the offensive line was key and critical. Zach Taylor seems to be a coach you can believe in. He seems to be a bright young mind, even if he needs work in a situational football. But um, this defense, I mean, this defense, this team in general is just on the rise. They're just beginning. And um, yeah. the continuity between him and Jamar Chase is a great sign if you're a, a Bengals fan. Tell me about it. Do you feel the same way, Alex Young? Yeah, I definitely do. I I love the pick um, when the Bengals went out and got Chase. Some of yeah. that, you know, was perfect. Obviously, one of the best duos in college was Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Now mm-hmm. we see in the NFL. And, and I think – Chase caught a lot of people off guard because a lot of people forget at the end of the preseason, he was having a lot of dropping issues and he was saying he had mm-hmm. a tough time catching the football. And now we're, you know, a couple weeks in and he, I think set the record for like most receiving yards in a what a six yeah. game span for a rookie. Yeah. Um, so definitely doesn't have drop issues anymore. You can see that football perfectly. <laughs> and I think uh, there are definitely the, the duo to look out for going forward. And, and like Alex said, um, the, I think, the, the Bengals ascension came a lot earlier. I think people thought they were a year away. I think a lot of people thought Burrow, Chase, they'll develop their chemistry next year. They'll be contenders. Now they're battling with the Ravens and they yeah. pretty hand, beat them pretty handily on Sunday um, to, to prove that they're not a pretender. So um, I think this is a team to look out for. And I know at Cincinnati, you never know what can happen, but like Alex said, you keep Joe upright, you keep him healthy that defense is playing a lot better than a lot of people thought. 
Um, and with Chase, you know, anything's possible with him. He's a dynamic receiver. We've seen that. Um, and me as a Georgia fan, I've seen, I saw that a lot, even in the SEC when he was at LSU. Um, so, you know, I knew when he got picked, he was going to be a dynamic player. And having Burrow, you know, them play together in college, you already knew the chemistry was there. So I think that was a perfect pick. And, you know, talking about real quick about just rebuilding teams, I, you know, I, I told my dad the Bengals are, are, are the team to look at on how to perfectly rebuild your team. You get your quarterback, you build your kind of offensive line, you start building your defense, boom, your quarterback's favorite receiver in college is available in the first round of your draft, you're getting him. You're going after him when he's on your board, and now we're seeing that it's paying dividends because Burrow has a guy he knows he could throw to and be comfortable with. And, you know, they already have other good receivers in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, So just, and they have Joe Mixon in the backfield. So that whole offense is just dynamic and just perfect way to rebuild the team, and that's why we're seeing now, especially now a year early, that this Bengals team is definitely a team to look out for going forward um, in the AFC. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see down the stretch. I think like what Alex said, it, it's looking like it's going to be, you know, a two-team race for the division of the AFC North between the Bengals and the Ravens. Let's Real keep quick. running it. Yep. Um, if you're the, you know, if you're the GM for uh, Cincinnati Tobin, if, if I'm looking at one guy in the league, I'm looking at Steve Kine in Arizona because they have the opportunity with the division vulnerable as it is right now and the salary cap I know for a fact that they have in the salary cap league. Um, being undervalued, I think they can make a serious run the next two years, have like that two-year window to really push the division um, with Cleveland, you know, down and out and Pittsburgh um, in transition into a new quarterback. We saw what how Kyler started last year, even though they were hot, um, they fell off towards the end of the season because of injuries, but also a tough schedule. And it seems like Cincinnati also has a tough schedule outside of the Jets um, towards the end of the, the, uh, the season. So I'm not sure that I can really sufficiently predict them to be a playoff team because of the schedule. But I know for a fact that if I was Tobin in the off season, I would try to put all my chips to the center of the table the same way Arizona did this year. Hey, it proves. And if you get, you know, they made the big signing JJ Watt, was a big move. If the Bengals can just get a true big defensive player, they could get a Vontez Bursett, but not an asshole type of player with that type of um, impact in the secondary. Then this the secondary specifically, or if they get a great pass rusher in there, it's going to be an exciting time, especially, you know, who knows where the draft where um, options are available in the, before the deadline or on the off season, especially if the chiefs are having a bad time and say they keep collapsing, maybe you bring in a Chris Jones and or turn Matthew, if they realize that they, you know, shit the bed and, you know, need to get rid of them assets. As you said, the Bengals can, uh, makes it, there's just a few more moves, um, in the front office away to being an elite team. And speaking of elite teams at the moment, then when in terms of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady throwing 600 passes in the yards and then being generous to their lucky fans who um, get those balls and stuff. But all in all the bucks see <laughs> What else can we say about Tom Brady at 44 being the best quarterback in the league? He's on track to have 6,000 yards with this extra game. <sighs> I mean, I'm speechless. What, what do we do? We're just going to, until Tom Brady feels like it, <laughs> to, to call it a career, is, is that the point where we're at it right now? I mean, what until were the we? supermarkets run out of avocado ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's our only man. hope, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. I think Tom Brady is just a god. <laughs> I mean, Brady people... 
pretty much he this is going to be a hard thing to compare different eras, different sports, but at take Jordan's peak in the 90s and how much yeah. influence and dominance he's had. Arguably with his sport in this era, Tom Brady's the most dominant athlete we'll ever see in a generation. I mean, geez, what, what I mean, what is there anything to say besides just being in awe? And if anyone says he sucks, <laughs> you just don't know anything about sports, competition, conflict. I, I, <laughs> Tom Brady, huh? Right, guys? Yeah, uh, it's insane. I don't know if you guys uh, saw the Hertz commercial recently with Tom Brady where he's like acting like he's a robot and he's like plugging in and charging up. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I got to um, see that. <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty much what 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 he is. He's he's a robot, right? And I and to me, you know, we've been blessed, I think, with the two greatest primes in sports. I'll say two names and Renelia are going to like this. But one is Tom Brady for football. The other is LeBron James for basketball. I think I thought you were going to say Brian guys, Scalabrini. No. Those two guys <laughs> are an example of, <laughs> of the greatest primes we'll see in their yeah. sports. We've never seen a guy, especially like LeBron, who comes in at 18 and now he's past 35 and he's still mm-hmm. dominating the league as he is. And it just shows how much they care about their body because LeBron yeah. spends a bunch of money on his body. Tom Brady spends a bunch of money on his body <laughs> because they care because they want to continue in this league. They want to continue their greatness for as long as possible. And it, it shows if you look at them, both of their mentalities is that they want to be known as the greatest in both their sports. Right. But especially if you look at Tom Brady, just his career path is insane. His story is insane. Mm-hmm. Everyone's doubted him. And now he's going to, when he finally hangs up, he could be 55 at this rate, the way he's oh playing. He could be 55 <laughs> and to finally to hang it up. And no one's going to touch any of his records or anything at all, because that's how great he is. It's just uh, insane what he's doing. I, I don't think, especially in football, I don't think we're going to see this again. I think we're all been blessed Definitely to see not. the greatness. <laughs> I don't not. think we're going to see another quarterback go for 600 plus t- passing touchdowns and be 44, 45 plus and be as dominant or still be as good um, as he is right now. And he, he's showing that he's not slowing down, which is scary. <laughs> like you said, it's he insane. can be playing for another 10 years the way he's playing right now. It's insane. It really is. Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, I'm out of words to describe him. I mean, he's just unbelievable. Um, He's the true, you know, teamsman quarterback. That's the thing with the NFL that's so um, interesting and unique across all team sports is that not only is it a complete meritocracy to the utmost, but it really requires a lot of leadership and sacrifice the more, even more than any other sports. NBA, you know, it's about the stars and there's a lot of isolation circumstance within games. Um, You know, baseball, it's a lot about pitching. Um, And then, you know, you got hockey, you get the idea. The point being yeah. is that um, it's really based on how you work with others, how you get guys to be inspired to play with you and for you. Um, and then just having the foresight and the self-awareness and the nutrition um, it, it's the likes. I think the likes of Brady between the the ears is probably something we're never going to see again, because everybody remembers that horrible 40 yard dash um that's going to be ingrained in my mind forever. But the fact that he was able to overcome that 
And of course, I mean, for being with a defensive minded head coach for 20 years and not having skill position guys, it's just incredible, you know? And I understand like he's been very fortunate to have um, evaded injury for most of his uh, career besides the one year when he got hurt against Kansas city first week of the season. But, um, uh, but you know, the, the game has changed. He's been very fortunate timing situation um, with how they protect the quarterback um, as such. And um, he's just taking um, full, full opportunity um, for that, um, for that moment, because a lot of guys could hang it up when they choose to, but he's saying, look, I've never been more protected in my life. Yeah. That's a big, and I have the opportunity to really, um, you know, squeeze this, um, this fruit juice, um, this fruit juice dry. So, you know, it just, you know, kudos to him for that, for having the self-awareness. And, um, I just don't think we're ever going to see a leader like this in our lifetime again. Toss and turn, lesson learned. Tom Brady shows what you do if you truly focus, put everything in your craft. So take it from him. And I guess the last, the last, the last um, team to discuss before we just think at big picture things as we wrap up. Cardinals are seven to zero. Is this a legit seven to zero, or is it a fake one? What do you guys think? We'll start with Alex Young on this one. Uh, I think it's a real seven to zero. You know, I think the Rams win to me was proof to me that this team is legit. Yeah. Um, you know, funny. a lot of people doubted them in that game and they ended up, destroy, you know, pretty, like I said, uh, pretty handily beating them. Um, so, you know, it's tough because there's some games that they probably should have lost. I know early on, um, but they found ways to win and that's what good or great teams do. They find ways to win. Um, and like I said, that Rams win was big for me to show that this team could be legit against a, a top offense and a really good defense as well. Um, so we'll see going forward. I know it's the Cardinals. Sometimes they stall out. We saw, you know, after early success last mm-hmm. year, they struggled down the stretch and it ended up costing their season. But I think Kyler Murray is playing on another level. I've always liked Kyler Murray. Um, and, and and now with the additions of Zach Ertz, um, only making their offense even more uh, threatening and impotent. Um, you know, that is literally that offense to me is, is like a Madden offense as well. As you have Ertz, Hopkins, Kirk, uh, Rondell Moore, who was a stud in college. A revised um, AJ Green. A revised, yeah, a revised AJ Green, who came out of nowhere. Chase that is all across the board. They have talent um on that offensive side. And, and like we said, Kyle Murray is a special quarterback. Um, so I think this team is definitely a team to look out for. Um, and I think right now it, it, to me is a legitimate. 7-0 because even though it looked dicey at times, they always found a way to win, and that's what great teams end up doing is finding ways to win. If you're looking across the board, if you look at the Giants, we're not a great team. <laughs> you find ways to lose. Cardinals find ways to win. So that's why they're 7-0 right now. Jeez. You know, people were like J.J. Watt when he decided the Cardinals. Well, this shows exactly why some people know what they're doing, and we just got to stop judging. <laughs> Renelli, what do you real seven and zero or fake one? Oh, real seven and zero. I mean, you don't win seven games in a row by accident. Um, even with Pittsburgh, except the last year Steelers. Yeah, well, the thing is though, you know, that one was just developmental cracks in their in their armor. I think that yeah. that, that was a real eleven and zero despite um, the fall off that they had. They were just getting exposed down the stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's kind of my point with this. I think there's still um, a season um, of two halves, and Kingsbury had a real drop off last year, so it's yet to be seen. But the seven and zero was legit. They look legit. Um, I just have to see it for the course of seventeen games. Um, 
And I think it's still going to come down to the Rams and them in the division because um, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out with the Rams schedule and how they play down the stretch. Um, I do, I am encouraged about the growth because like I said, you know, it seems like Kingsbury's learned from his mistakes in, in the past season. Um, so is Kyler. They're not so Kyler dependent. It seems like a really balanced offensive attack. Um, he's not really throwing for more than 25, 30 times a game. And they're playing um, complimentary football. So that's a huge, um, huge plus. And uh, we'll just have to see as the season goes on. Couldn't say it any better. Yeah, and pretty much we hit the big headlines. But besides, I mean, the Lions 0-7. Though I think this is going to sound real weird. They're one of the best winless teams at this point in the sense that they are all in most of these games. Jared Goff hasn't looked awful, but literally, whether it's the doink against the Ravens or, you know, the tears that Dan Campbell led on to hopefully inspire, they play close games. Um, You know, people like to make fun of the Jets, but the Lions are, I mean, they've only made one conference championship in their 60 years. And... Yeah, and pretty much hit there. The Chiefs are, um, the Chiefs are hilarious. The situation we pretty much hit them on, and then you know, looks like as you mentioned, pretty much hit everywhere on the thirty-two teams. Is there anything else that we missed before I ask my last question? No, um, I think we hit him. I think we we talked about the uh, the November twelfth deadline. Who are the other teams you guys feel can really make a push for the playoffs with an acquisition? That's a good question. Yep. Um, I don't know because it's tough. Like looking at these teams, but they're all so like good already. It's like, I don't think like mm-hmm. the Packers or the Bucks are really going to add. Like, I can see the Packers maybe adding um, another like offensive threat, but um, all these teams across the board, you know, like, I don't, like, I don't know if the Cowboys are really going to add Buffalo. I could see maybe <clears throat> doing something, um, maybe grabbing like, a def- like some more defensive players, get more depth mm-hmm. there, get depth across the board. I could see that, but they pretty much look like they're going to take, I know the Patriots are, are right behind them, but I think they're pretty much sealed that they're going to win the East. Um, maybe, really, maybe your Raiders, maybe your Raiders do something, make yeah. a move. Um, I could see that uh, happening because, you know, the, uh, they have to try to make some push against the Chargers. Um, so it's going to be interesting. What they need is, yeah, they need a corner and they need a second guy on the other side of that front four because I love Crosby. I think he's the real deal. But not having a Cleveland Farrell play at the standards has been really abysmal for us. And then, like I said, that secondary is still very vulnerable. Um, I just want to shift real quick because I think that originally in my um, uh, preseason predictions, I still had um, uh, the Seahawks in the playoffs as the third wildcard team. And I think that they could still possibly save their season depending on um, Russell Wilson's schedule. Yeah. So I I feel like they could still salvage their season, um, but they're going to need to pick up someone like Nick Foles in in the, um, um, on the market. And they could think, I think they could still do it. Yeah. And I think for another team worth investing and it's the, especially if the Seahawks lose these next two games, they do have some valuable weapons. I mean, they won't let go of TK Metcalf or maybe like Tyler Lockett, um, yeah. maybe Chris Carson. And then I think they can go to like the Titans. Julio Jones is if it's hard to trust, you know, AJ Brown's injury problems. I think the Titans can really add an 
just one more big move again, if it's a locket, maybe if it's a Traquan Smith from New Orleans, if I really still, even though they're four and three, I really wouldn't feel confident with that. And I think if um, they won't make a move, but I think that would be some a team worth going for. I think the Titans, if they can add just another weapon on the side, that would be I very think, beneficial. Yeah, I think the Ravens are in the same boat too. I think mm-hmm. they're probably mm-hmm. looking for one more explosive guy. Maybe Jamison Crowder from the Jets. Maybe see Jamison Crowder from the Jets, possibly. But if you're, but yeah, if you're Harbaugh in that in that offense, um, you got to be looking at um, you know Cleveland and Cincinnati and just being a little concerned. That's all. Indeed, indeed. Uh, my last question here before we wrap it up. This was a really good podcast. I just wanted to say that. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna send this to people. I sent <laughs> tapes to, but um, say okay, this. It'd be hard to envision the playoff board. I can't. I couldn't tell you the playoff picture at the moment. I mean, we know who the best teams are, but the wild card teams, depending on how things go. But anyways, the season ended today. Who do you expect in the Super Bowl? AFC, NFC, and who do you think would win it if the season ended today? And do you also think that possibly that can last the next? The what we're about to hit November, so it can last the next three months. Who do you think? would be what do you think the case would be like for me if you asked me i think the packers can win the nsc at this moment aaron Rodgers is hungry even if it will be his last hoorah i mean on a huge six game winning streak everything's clicking um i don't know at the moment Devontae adams got it cleared for the game on thursday but assuming he does i i really think they can go in and beat a bucks team they could beat a cowboys team i think the cowboys will collapse and I think the Packers would win the NFC East if it ended today. And then the AFC, yeah. I really think the Bengals and Joe Burrow, who oh, knows, wow. one thing leads to another. Again, this would be a stretch. And this would be also if they would get, um, if they could get some help, especially um, if things go a certain way. Why not have a Joe Burrow? They make like a, compared to like a Jared Goff Rams run, maybe call a fluke. I don't know. But that AFC team, things just seems to be really clicking there. And it might be a stretch, but I'll go on the record as of October 27th, 2021. If you had a Packers, Bengals, Super Bowl, oh. um, that would be intense. And this is if things keep moving <laughs> in the right direction. As we see on the faces for those listening, I have some faces. But hey, that's why we take those big leaps. That's what I would say. Hey, let's uh, do it, man. <laughs> uh, you want to go? Uh, yeah, I can grab. I'll grab uh, my picks. Uh, although, Matt, as you know, my baseball picks were way off uh, this year. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Both my teams were not in by any means. I picked yeah. the uh, White Sox and the Giants, and we all know it's uh, Astros Braves right now. Uh, so take my <laughs> picks with a grain of salt for football. <laughs> but on the NFC side, uh, I'm never going to discount Tom Brady uh, unless he's playing the Giants in the Super Bowl. Those are the only yeah. two times I ever, ever discounted Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, hey, we're so playing him in a couple of weeks. I know. It should be fun. <laughs> um, I am going to say the Bucks uh, or my pick to make it out of the NFC. I think bringing that whole squad back on both sides is something that we haven't seen before for a Super Bowl team. Usually you lose a few guys. They brought all their key players back on defense. They're clicking and it's obviously Tom Brady. looks like he's not slowing down. So that's why I have the bucks out of the mm-hmm. NFC for me. 
although I do love what the Bengals are doing this year, I can't pick them right now to be in mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Um, I know <laughs> I talked uh, earlier, I think, with you on a, a way back. Um, I think the Bills are the team yeah. to look out for um, out of yeah. the AFC. Although I really like what I'm seeing from the Titans right now. I know they they looked a little iffy at times, and it looks like they're clicking again. They lost but, to the Jets. Yeah, they lost to the Jets. Um, <laughs> and Hill looked a little weird without without his. I think I think his offensive coordinator moved on uh, from last season. Yeah. If I'm mistaken. So is he looks at times not great, but uh, I think the Bills um, are, are are one of the most complete teams, um, and. Uh, Going to the AFC, I think you know these next few weeks really show that that they're a top team in the AFC. Um, I think going to the playoffs all momentum. So I, I'm going to have Bucks Bills uh, in, in my way too early uh, Super Bowl predictions right now. But those yep. are the two teams I really like out of both sides, and I think they're going to continue their success going forward. Mr. Ranelio. Yeah, for the yeah, before the preseason, I mean, I had a rematch on both sides of the bracket um, from last year. Um, I'm definitely getting off of um, – I'm definitely getting off the bandwagon with that. I, it, it's, it's tough because it's so it's such a week-to-week league. Um, I would sure. say today, gun that, to my head, yeah. Oh, that's why I'm making my really bold <laughs> Bengals pick just because – Things just keep working right, and that's why. And that way you can be like, you heard it here first. Yeah. Exactly. So you were saying, um, sorry to interrupt, I apologize. No, no, you're good. Um, so I guess, gun to my head today, I would say Bills, Ravens on the AFC side, Rams, Bucks on the NFC. The only reservation I have with the Bucks is obviously health. Um, that secondary is a little vulnerable, but that's mm-hmm. what I got. Look at that. Well, a tale of two Alex's was a real successful one. Thank you so much, Alex Young and Alex Renelia, for coming on. We appreciate you both. And let's check in in a couple of weeks to see how close we are to our predictions or how far away we are. But either way, a lot of fun football ahead. And I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time. No problem. Thank you for having me Happy. again, Matt. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure. Happy I'll see you. Happy to see you both. Indeed, man. The best. Alex Young and Alex Ranelio. We'll see you guys really soon. Alex and Alex, I love you guys. Thank you for talking football with me, helping us understand what the hell is going on, and giving us something to look forward to as the second half of the NFL season starts this week. It starts tonight. We have the... What do we have? We have the Cardinals and the Packers, an undefeated team versus a one-loss team, a new generation quarterback in Kyler Murray to another quarterback who won't slow down, Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be an epic battle. Check that out on Amazon, NFL Network, and Fox tonight. Sorry, not Fox. The World Series is on Fox. Astros and Braves, if you care about my opinion, let's go Braves. Fuck the Astros. Glad they knocked out the Red Sox in a hell of a game, even if it was a tale of, you know, you know, worst case scenarios. But that's the case. NFL second half starts today, tonight, and we're going to really enjoy it. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk more NFL action in November. But I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations. We're back on Monday with our buddy Dolo Ren. 
He's bringing back the Word for Word podcast in a solo endeavor. So we're going to promote that, check in on how he's doing, going to talk things not, I mean, we'll talk a little bit basketball, but we're going to just talk about things with life as someone part of the Productive Conversations basketball crew. But seriously, Dolo Ren is one of my favorite people to talk to in the entire world. And we're glad to do another episode with him this Monday. Enjoy your hollow weekend, one of the best weekends of the year, dressing up, having a good time, you know, be respectful, be, don't be an asshole, and enjoy the great festivities. Don't forget COVID's still in the air, so take precautions as well. But besides that, enjoy Halloween, everybody. Enjoy your Halloween on Sunday, and we are going to rock and roll, dance around, prance around, and we're going to enjoy the beautiful weekend, which is Halloween. And what am I going to wear? With this mustache, I'm thinking either I'm going to be Magnum P.I. or Earl from My Name is Earl. Check out my Instagram if you're so curious to see what I decide at MattBrown300. So everybody, enjoy your Halloween weekend. Be safe and let us have a great weekend in October in general. So with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I'll see you all very soon. Be nice to your friends and family. Don't forget to check in on them, and I'll see you Monday. See you later, everybody. Peace!